them. Okay, we are in Luke chapter 8. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And an usher will come to you. Anyone need a Bible? Luke chapter 8, going through Luke, the book of Luke, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can just come here and, Lord, be blessed by you, and Lord, just as good be a blessing to you. And Lord, your word shows us how we can be a blessing to you. Oh, what an incredible thought that we, Lord, we're like grains in the sand before you, but your word says that we can bless you, that we can actually cry out with our hearts, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is, is within me, bless his holy name. Lord, that's the people that we want to be with our, not only our lips, but our lives. Bring us there this morning, Lord, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 again says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of of God. You know, as we read the Word of God, so important to pause and consider what we read. Here we discover something about Jesus in this very first verse that I think is really important because it teaches, it teaches us what his heart is for us, what his heart is for the people. Jesus is in northern Israel at this point, the region of Galilee. It says here in verse 1, what? He went through every city and village. Now, we learn something about Jesus just from that statement right there. What do we learn? That he wasn't a hermit, that he wasn't sort of some isolated guru, some mystic who just holed himself up in a cave, let himself be known, and and people would come to him. That's what we see so much in religious circles, right? It says that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, he didn't get in some chair in some house somewhere and put his arms like this, well, they're going to come to me. He went out from city to city, it says, into every village. What did he go out with? Verse 1, glad tidings of the kingdom. It was a message that left their hearers, the heart of his hearers, glad. Not because Jesus didn't mention hard subjects. 
like death, hell, sin, judgment. He talked about those things. But it was, be- why were they glad tidings? Because he declared that God's desire for man, God's best for man, was not judgment, it was salvation. Jesus says, actually, in John 3, 17, he says this, For God did not send his son, this is Jesus speaking, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why these were glad tidings, glad tidings. So verse 2 says this, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Again, these are the kind of verses that sometimes we just read in passing, but we miss the gold that is in them. What's the gold? Well, it lists a few women. It says that they and many others provided for Jesus from their substance, meaning they gave uh, the ministry money and whatever else was needed to support it. Now, do you ever stop and think, why? Why? Why are they giving from their substance? Their, that word substance, it just means from whatever what it was in themselves that they could offer. Why did they do that? Because he saved them. Because he loved them. Because he had freed them. Mary Magdalene who had lived in torment, possessed by seven demons. We just got a letter from our missionary in Brazil who never experienced such a thing before but found himself in the middle being asked to, to, to literally to cast out demons. He's like, what, me? That's not why I came down here. But was thrown into a situation with a kid thrashing around the room and, and he actually just went in there, did the only thing he knew how to do. In the name of Jesus, go and saw actually demons he described. Now, this is a guy we know. This is not some hokey dude. And the demons leaving one by one and just freedom and rejoicing and the kid now being healed and completely, completely, utterly different. Mary Magdalene, who lived in torment, possessed by seven demons. Joanna, her husband was King Herod's steward, meaning he was in Herod's court, meaning this woman would have been familiar with the wealth, the luxury, the, the excesses, the emptiness of, of, of Herod's court. Jesus saved her. Susanna mentions Jesus freed her. He saved her. They gave their lives to ministry. They did what God wanted them to to do, not because there was some law out there saying they had to do it, but because he saved them. He set them free. So why do you, why do you serve God? Why are you here this morning? What are you doing here? Why do you pray? Why do you drop a check in the offering box? Why do you teach Sunday school? Why do you get up here on the worship team? Why do you go and work hard for your boss? Why do you bless your wife, your husband, 
Why not? Why don't you cheat on your taxes? Why don't you steal from your employer? Why not get? Why does? Why not get drunk? Why do you stay away from drugs? Why? Is it because there's a law out there that says you're not supposed to do it? A law in the Bible? A law in a black book? Or is it because Jesus freed you? Is it because you're obeying and doing a bunch of things that a bunch of other people who call themselves Christians told you you should do? If so, if that's your motive for being or living the life of a Christian, your life will become, your life as a Christian will become unbearable. It'll become burdensome, like a weight. It will become like a drag. It will be, you will eventually, you'll burn out or you'll become bored out of your mind. Eventually, you'll check out. Please, don't do what you do for the Lord because there's a law that requires you to do it. Do it because he saved you, because he freed you, because of love. And if the love's not there, Man, go get by yourself somewhere and cry out that you would understand it. Ask God to show you what he has saved you from. Last week in in Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 37, 38, we read about uh, the sinful woman who went into a crowded room. Jesus was there. She fell down on his feet, began to weep, and began to to, uh, clean his feet with her hair. Crazy stuff. But what did we get from all of that? That if you are a Christian, that's got to happen to you. It must. At some point, if it hasn't already, that's got to happen to you. It must. Where you fall down before the Lord because he opened your eyes to just how ugly your sin is and how much he saved you from. And you're just all broken up about it. And you leave that experience doing what you do for the Lord because you've been freed, man, woman. So verses 2 and 3, we learned from these women, they served Jesus. Their motive was love because he saved them. Verse 4. And now we read a very familiar parable. Let's take a new look at it. When a great multitude had gathered and they came to him, Jesus, from every city, he spoke a parable. A sower or a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked Moisture. Some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprung up, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. 
When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Not everyone who has ears hears. This is what Jesus is saying. Then his disciples, verse 9, asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. We've talked about this a lot over the last six months, that a man or woman can reach the point where they've resisted God for so long that he just he lets them go. Verse 11 says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who have heard and w- heard the word with a noble and good heart, and they keep it and bear fruit with patience. They keep it. They keep the fruit. They bear it with patience. So verse, verse 4 says, back in verse 4, it says, a great multitude had gathered to hear Jesus from every city. At this point, Jesus is wildly popular. That would change. That will change. But uh, at this point, man, they're coming to him. They're, it's like a mob scene, so much so that this same story in Matthew chapter 13 says Jesus had to get into a boat. He had to get into a boat. He sat in a boat because if he didn't get in a boat, this, he was just going to be mocked. It says he sat down in the boat and then everyone, the multitude, went by on the shore and they were standing up. There's a fascinating picture, huh? Jesus sitting down on a lake, the side of a lake, and then a multitude standing up, listening to him. And he tells them a parable, a story, uh, meant to, to, for the purpose of, of uh, teaching something, a story that's given uh, for the purpose of teaching something. In this parable, a farmer throws his seed on four different kinds of soil or ground. And the four different kinds of soil or ground, they represent four different kinds of people. And everybody in this room this morning, in fact, every woman, uh, every man and woman in the world is represented in those four soils, meaning you and I, we are either, number one, the soil on the wayside, number one, uh, which is a path that runs through a farm or around it, or we're like the, uh, the soil that is like a thin layer of soil on top of a rock, That's soil number two. Or we're like the soil that's filled with thorns or weeds. Or number four, we're we're like the soil which is on good ground. There's no soil number five, sorry. You, me, we are one of those four kinds of soil. So which are you? Hopefully we all came to church, not playing games, not playing church. Came here because, man, we want change. 
We don't like where we're at. God always has a better place than where we're at. The Bible says we're supposed to be content with who we are in Christ, but God always has, is always making us into a man or woman who's more like him. Where are you at this morning? Which soil? I have no doubt that there's all, all four kinds in here, but let's, let, let's, let's read this. Let's go deeper. Again, verse 4. Verse 4, describing, uh, verse 5, rather, describing the uh, first soil. It said, a, sow- a sower went out to his sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse 12 explains who these people are. These people are those by the wayside. Are the ones who hear, then the who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So this soil. Represents people with hard hearts. Hearts that have become hardened to the word of God, to the voice of God. God's word, his voice is given to them, but doesn't, it doesn't, it never gets below the surface. It's only when God's word penetrates the surface where a man or woman can believe and be saved. So begs the question, why would anyone or how could anyone get a heart so hard that the word of God, even God's voice, cannot penetrate it? We were just in Jeremiah, which says the word of God's like a hammer. How do you get such a hard heart that even God's hammer doesn't penetrate? How's anyone, how is it possible for anybody to get to this point? Only after a lot of arguing. Only after years of arguing with God. Years and years of arguing with God. The Bible says that God makes his existence clearly known to all men, not just a few, to everybody. Jesus himself says this in John chapter 12, verse 32, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, speaking not only about the cross, really, but his ascension into heaven, I will draw all men to myself. That's what Jesus says. Jesus promised to make himself known, and he does that. How does he do that? Well, in many ways, Romans chapter 1 says the process begins with this. It says, what may be known about God is plain to man because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. That means when you look at a mountain or you look at uh, the meadows, the farms, the streams, the ocean, God is crying out about his existence. He's there. That's why wherever you go in the world, 
except in a few quarters in, in Boston, Massachusetts, a few of the universities here, everyone says they believe in God. Why? Because his invisible qualities, his, his attributes are, are plain. And then in verse 21 of Romans chapter uh, 1, it says this, they knew God. Why? Because he made himself known to them. But they didn't honor him as God. Their thinking became worthless. Their foolish hearts became dark. Why? Because they started to argue. They started to argue with God. They had basically what is 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 going on uh, ever since a, a, a boy or girl comes out of his or her mother's womb. There's a dialogue going on. God, through His creation and many other ways, is crying out, "I'm here! I'm here!" I am here. The Bible says all creation cries out, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. But what does man do? Woman, boy, girl, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. No, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. And this goes on for years. Why? We don't want God over us in our life. We want what we want. We want to be our own God. We talked about this last, last week. That's, the, that's why Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They could, Satan told them, you can be like God. And they gave in to the temptation. And, and so, again, creation's crying out, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. No, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. And over time, what is created is a hardened heart. That's why many times, man, you talk to a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, the hardest people on the face of the earth are the 60, 70, 80-year-old people who have just been arguing with God their whole lives. You talk with a 10-year-old, it's not like that. Not enough arguing. Not enough years of arguing have gone by. But listen... If you're here this morning, and that's you, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. If that cry is coming from your heart, man, you're in a dangerous place. Jesus says in verse 12, he says uh, that those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved, you know? People come into churches like this, with hearts this hard. They came as a favor to someone to church. They came uh, because, I don't know, their parents dragged them here or for whatever, whatever other reason. With every no, you're not, a man's heart hardens. And this is serious stuff. And maybe... This kind of soil doesn't describe you, but it describes someone in your life, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. Is there anything you can do about it? Yes, there is. What happens when you pour water on a path, a hard clay path? What happens if you pour enough water on it? It's muddy. 
pour on the love, man. <laughs> pour on the love when that brother, that sister, that mother, that father, that friend, that roommate, that neighbor, when they're not receiving the word, man, you say something, it bounces right off like a super ball. It's time to start loving. Because the wonderful thing about the Lord, there's always grace. He loves the man and woman. He loves your family member, your neighbor, your coworker who has that hard heart. You know, before we get to the next soil, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, ah, phew, this, for, this first soil doesn't apply to me. I asked Jesus in my heart. I'm saved. I can rest easy on this one. Not so fast. Verse 11 says what? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. True, the word of God includes God's words on how a man or woman is saved, that they must give their heart to Jesus, the Son of God, believing he was crucified for their sins, raised from the dead to give them new life. True, the seed in this parable includes that. But it says the word of God, which by no means is limited to that. Man, there are people who come in here, this room every Sunday, their hearts are hardened to receiving anything else from the Word of God. Do you come to church ready to receive? Do you open up your Bible ready to receive? Do, do, do you, is, your heart, is your heart hard or soft to the Word of God? So anyway, some of the seed fell by the wayside. The next seed, verse 6, says some fell on the rock. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. So what does that soil represent? Verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while, and in the time of temptation or testing, they fall away. So this kind of ground is a very thin layer of soil which lies on top of a rock, or maybe it's in the nook or cranny of a, of a cliff area. You've seen this type of thing. Some seed gets on it. The seed sprouts up, but it can't withstand the heat of the sun. The sun scorches it, dries it up, and it dies. Why? There was no root system. The roots that draw the water from deep within the soil, uh, but when the soil is only just a centimeter or two, the wheat, the plant, whatever, doesn't have a chance. This represents a man or woman. They hear the word of God. They hear how much God loves them. They hear about Jesus dying for them. The resurrection can give them new life, and, and they receive it with joy, but it's a purely emotional decision. It's only skin deep. So as soon as they get scorched, as soon as they get burned, scorched, scorched by a relationship that goes bad, scorched by whatever, a layoff or uh, some great disappointment in their life, uh, when they reach down to get the relief from having been scorched, there is no relief. Why? Because the Word of God, they never let it go beyond the surface. It was a surface, emotional, skin-deep relationship with God that they entered into. 
So, man, sorry, they, they sort of like rush in the front door, and then something happens, and they rush out the back. It's like, hey, where's that guy? Where's that guy? Where's that man, that woman, who was like so filled with excitement when they prayed to receive the Lord? Oh, I don't know. They rushed out the back door. When the time, Jesus says, when the time of testing comes. The Bible says that an authentic, a real salvation experience is described in the Bible in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth. In other words, if you just say it. Really believing it, that Jesus is Lord. What does Lord mean? It just means master. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when you first hear the word of God, you believe it. You say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, be my master. Be my Lord. What you're saying, what an authentic, a real salvation experience is this. Jesus, you, you come into my heart, not part of the way all the way, I'm sick of my life. I'm putting it behind me. I want you, all of you. The word goes, God goes, Holy Spirit, deep into a person's life, into his or her heart. There's nothing surface about it. It's not just a, an emotional thing. It's a wholehearted thing where the roots go down deep. And so when you're burned, scorched, scorched by a relationship, a layoff, some, some kind of financial uh, deal, some great disappointment, you reach down and the life of God is within you, the word of God, and you get through. How about the third kind of soil? Verse 7. Some fell, some of the seed, remember the seed's the word of God, fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. What soil does this represent? Jesus answers that question in verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Now in my opinion, this verse, this soil... This is just my opinion, represents the majority, at least, of the church in the United States of America. The people are saved. When the word of God fell upon, falls upon their hearts, they receive it, they get it, it goes into their hearts far enough, it takes hold. And sure, they can survive being scorched by a relationship, scorched by a layoff, scorched by whatever, some, you know, gigantic disappointment in their lives, and those things do come. That's a part of life. They survive it, but that's all they can do is survive. Why? Because they're so preoccupied with making money. They're, they're so preoccupied with whatever. The, Jesus says, voice, the, the, the pleasures of life. They're, 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 they're so occupied with the world. They're so occupied with the gazillion things that this crazy prosperity in the United States of America offers. They're 
that they bring no fruit to maturity. There's weeds, there's thorns choking everything out. And so the fruit in their life, man, yeah, there's fruit. It says no fruit to maturity. There's fruit in their life. But man, is it some sorry looking fruit. Man, I remember when I was a kid, man, my, I, the first time I tried doing a vegetable garden, I, you know, planted cucumbers. <laughs> and man, that first cucumber, I was all excited coming out. And man, I was waiting, waiting. The thing never grew. I picked it. It's this scrawny, sickly, sorry looking thing. And there was just one. Jesus says it, they bear no fruit to maturity. Oh, man, do I see. This is the United States of America. The, the people, they have an honest love for Jesus. But, man, you look in their life, you look in their life, and, 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 and there's no fruit. At least the fruit that they have is just, it, it's scrawny looking. You take a chomp out of the fruit, and you're like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm going to somewhere else, Whole Foods or whatever, Trader Joe's. I'm not sticking with this. And, and, and you know, Jesus said this in John chapter 15. Wonderful verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That word remain means abide. The word abide means live. Fruit that there's just life in it. It remains. There's life. It's like you take a chomp of this fruit. It's like, yes, I want more. That's the kind of fruit that he wants to see in our life. But you know what the problem is? I am told that in one acre of land, it takes about 60 pounds of seed to farm it. But in that same acre, there's 3,000 pounds of weed seed. Wow. You say, why did God design it that way? Because he wants us to meet him every single day with the word of God. And I mean, in the United States of America, you got to get up every morning with a machete. I, I, I'm telling you, and just start whacking away. Stephanie and I, for a while, lived in Georgia. In Georgia, there's kudzu. Anyone here hear, hear kudzu? Kudzu? God bless you. There's just one or two over there. So, so the kudzu, this weed, came over from Japan like 30 years ago. It grows one foot a day. And, 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 and this kudzu, man, it just takes over, and I'm not kidding, entire force. You drive down I-75 down there in Atlanta for a while, the, there, you didn't see any trees. And this is a heavily treed area. You just saw kudzu covering it a foot a day. Man, I, I remember we had a house, our first little house. You know, we got it, and we loved it, and it had this backyard covered with kudzu. One day I said, you know, I was young and strong. Then I said, I'm going to go down there, and I'm just going to hack away at everything. Uh, and all this kudzu down there. And, man, it was unbelievable. The kudzu had, had, had covered so much stuff. There was uh, things down there I didn't even know were down there. There was a swing set in my backyard that I didn't even, never seen, didn't even know about. 
that's what it's like living in the United States of America. There's so many voices. There's so much entertainment of so many different forms. Man, we got to get up every morning, brothers and sisters. Open up the word of God. Remember what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor, he said in Luke chapter 7. He said, rather, chapter 6. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. You enjoy the kingdom of God. And what do we say about that? Doesn't mean that we just throw away everything that we get. But we need to understand it's the poor, the book of James also says, that are rich in faith. And we got to get to that place where we're poor in spirit, poor every morning, every day. Lest we're overtaken by, by weeds. Finally, verse 8. The fourth kind of soil says this. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And so what does this soil represent? Verse 15 But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it and they bear fruit with patience. Now, I'm told, also told, that a grain of corn, one little grain of corn, kernel of corn, sorry, you stick it in a field, by the next year, that uh, will yield enough corn to cover something, just a number of actually acres, one kernel. And in the next year after that, if you harvest and planted all the corn that was produced that year and did the same thing in the year after that and the year after that up into the sixth year, there'll be enough kernels of corn to plant the entire planet Earth in six years. That's why Jesus uses seed here. There's something powerful in the word of God. There's something explosive about it. There's something that multiplies in your life through the, through the word of God. And, and all I say is, man, I, I read this and I say, I want to be like this fourth soil. What is this fourth soil like? Already talked about it. It's the man or woman who opens up their heart and says, just God, come in Give me all your word. I, don't, I understand that some of it is going to have a bitter taste at first, but I just want all of it. I want all of it, Lord. Psalm 81 verse 10 says this. I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's someone who is the four soil. Their heart is like the four soil. I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what God's willing to do. He is willing to do this in your life. Every time the word of God is opened, every time it's declared, you're saying to the Lord, you're just going into it, Lord, give it to me, every bit of it, I want it, I will do it, all of it, Lord. Praise God. And you know, that, that's what our church, Calvary Chapel in the city, that's what we're all about. Today is our 10-year anniversary of being a church. And you know, that chapter by chapter, verse by verse, that's all, that's all really I know how to do. And it's just a wonderful thing just to see the faithfulness of the Lord over the years. I was looking throughout the Bible, 
Uh, it, it, I, I was in the book of Romans in chapter 1 that says that God takes us from faith to faith. It also says in another part of the Bible, God takes us from strength to strength. It all, also says he takes us from grace to grace, and finally it t- he takes us from glory to glory. Who wouldn't want that life? And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. You know, the hotel it has blessed us by, uh, since it's our 10-year anniversary, they've bl- blessed us with, uh, they're, they're going to be bringing in, in food during the closing worship song. Uh, we're going to sing a few worship songs now, and, and the, uh, the hotel is going to come in with the f- uh, food. We're also up here on the projection screens while we're eating. There's a slideshow just of uh, some of the pictures uh, throughout the years. We're so, we're so grateful for what the Lord has done, and uh, this is, we just want to close out today just uh, praising him. Why don't you stand up, and uh, Albert, if you could come up here, and we're just going to stand uh, and worship the Lord, and after, just see, if you can stick around, please, by all means, stay with us and uh, celebrate and fellowship with us. God bless you.